ladies, gentlemen, uh, both of those things, we have a discount <laughs> code. It's OpenGuardCast25. If you want to get thick, mean, lean, swole, you got to use that discount code. Just punch it into electronperformance.com. If you want to have physical performance and not mental performance, as you can see, I am more physically performed than mentally performed, <laughs> then you want to use that discount code and get thick with Electron Performance. God, that was probably the worst intro I've ever done. I'm just not, <laughs> not into it today. Um, not into you got the, the point uh, across. The voice. Right. I got the point across. Use the discount code. Um, ladies and gentlemen, quick announcement before we get into our interview with Mr. Nate Fenton. Um, Open Guardcast was the uh, commentary team of BJJ Woodstock, but unfortunately, uh, I wish I had like a crying soundboard. But um, we will not be uh, attending Woodstock anymore. Uh, Arizona, as you know, everybody who lives here who follows us knows is just under <sighs> pretty weird time. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and I have to kind of think about not just myself as a competitor. Selfishly, I have to think about my students and you know about the people in my household. I have to start to be a little more mature about traveling and everything like that. So I just uh, – my my match with Matt Layton will not be happening. I will not be going to Woodstock. Uh, we are still 100% going to support the event. Every episode, we're going to mention BJJ Woodstock. We hope that the event is still able to happen, and uh, we really want to go down to Iowa and show our love to Subspectrum and Jordan Peitzman for, I mean, whenever uh, we're able to get down there and whenever the world seems to be returning back to any semblance of normalcy. Um, normality? Normalcy? But normalcy. Normalcy is a good word. But, uh... Yeah, we we love Jordan Peitzman and we really want yeah. to go back down there, but now is just not the time. It's just too it's too crazy down here in the global epicenter of coronavirus, apparently, uh, Arizona. So, yeah, uh, I'm joined as always, Jake Watson. Uh, the what is it? What's uh? I'm, now I'm the like the bringer of bad news, Jake the Watson. Of bad news. The yeah, God, I can't speak <laughs> English today. Jake Watson is joined by Danny O'Donnell and Nate. Fenton. Nate, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm sad to hear that you're out of the event, but um, I'm, I understand with the state of the world why you had to do it. So uh, appreciate the shout out for BJJ Woodstock because uh, I'm really hoping the card stays together. I'm really hoping that people still can come out and uh, come watch the pro event, compete in the day event and uh, try and support Midwest Jiu Jitsu, Iowa Jiu Jitsu, that sort of thing. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely still going to be supporting it all the way. You are a brown belt under Matt Layton. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm affiliated with Tac Team, and um, John Gutta and Matt Layton are my coaches, as well as Mark Vives out of Chicago. Um, I have a school in uh, Davenport, Iowa, called Breaking Point Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and um, I'm supposed to be on the uh, BJJ Woodstock card if it's still a thing come August 22nd uh, against um, a great competitor out of TriStar, um, yes. LeClerc. <laughs> yeah, Pierre Olivier, I think, is, is his first two names, for, for first yeah. hyphenated name. Yeah. Pierre Olivier LeClerc uh, for the 170 like pounds Nogi number one contender spot, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, we're going to get a shot to fight Sean Weisenberg uh, for the title uh, before the end of the year is what he was hoping. That'd be really awesome. Yeah, another subspectrum card before the end of the year to follow up this one. Yeah, be that'd cool. be great. I'd love to do it. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to get to know Nate Fenton. As always, I saw Danny uh, do a deep breath there. He was about to ask this <laughs> question. I'm going to let him do it. I just wanted to give he him knows, a little segue. He so, knows the uh, visual cues. <laughs> I know it, dude. I can see it right behind that open guard cast logo. But uh, so yeah, funny. here is Danny O'Donnell. Yeah, so I, I definitely want to get into your match at Woodstock. Um, but you mentioned that you are an affiliate of Tag Team. You're under John Gutta and Matt Layton. And uh, I actually grew up in Chicago, so those are guys that I kind of came up watching compete. And I feel like those guys have done a lot to to build the jiu-jitsu scene in the Midwest. So do you want to talk a little bit about like what it's been like to come up under them and kind of what you think their contribution is to jiu-jitsu in the Midwest? Yeah, absolutely. Um so my starting point was with uh, a little karate school in the uh, Davenport, the Quad Cities area. Um, very different from like my academy and, and where we ended up training down the road. But it was my starting point. Um, and, and I met John Gutta first. He was uh, doing a seminar and he had his school in Tipping Point, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And he was also running the University of Iowa's Jiu-Jitsu Club. And I met him and I had already been training for like five years when I met him. But uh, he uh, beat the crap out of me. And <laughs> I never up to that point ever rolled with a black belt. And the moment that he strangled me, I'm like, oh, I need more of this in my life. So uh, I immediately like started making trips out to Cedar Rapids and a lot of trips to Iowa City because it's. Davenport is about an hour away from Iowa City, about an hour and a half from uh, Cedar Rapids. So I was making that uh, drive like three, four times a week. And then uh, Matt Layton started coming and taking over the University of Iowa Jiu-Jitsu Club. Uh, that was when Matt was like a brown belt. Um, mm -hmm. I, think I, I was either I think I was a purple belt at that time. I might have been a blue belt. can't remember now. But um, that's when I started training with Matt. And um, it was really, really... Like I said, uh, job dropping for me in the early early goings because I went from very much being the big fish in the small pond to just being eaten by sharks every day, you know. And I I loved it. Um, I I knew I needed it because I wanted to get better and and I wanted to learn from the best in the Midwest. And at that time, to me, it wasn't a doubt. It was uh, it was John and Matt at least anywhere near me. So. Um, I started training with them full time and then uh, eventually John and my business partner who helps me run the gym, Joshua Hamilton, uh, they just told me like, you guys, we, we need to open a gym in the Quad Cities. There's a demand for the jujitsu because the Quad Cities is it's a pretty big, uh, there's pretty decent population. So um, we just went ahead and we opened up a little school and it's, it's grown exponentially since then. But, uh, you know, with the state of the world again, uh, I don't get to see enough of uh, those guys and I wish I could see them more. But right now I'm only seeing them maybe once a week. Um, Matt, that is. I, I haven't seen John very much. And uh, we're trying to get back into the routine of like putting together tournaments and stuff. And so uh, we're trying to get all the tag team people on this BJJ Woodstock card. And that's my goal right now. Awesome. How how far does attack team spread? Because I know I think I saw a post by Troy Everett uh, of Fight to Win that he was now affiliated under attack team. I saw that. Yeah, I think that uh, that just came out or it just happened. Uh, mm. So I, I don't know. Really, I know of Troy. I don't know him personally, but there's there's tag teams popping up all over the place. So it's a it's a quickly growing affiliation. That's for sure. Nice. So was John a black belt the first time you trained with him? 
Yeah, yeah, he was okay. a black. He had like I, I think he, actually, I'm not sure, but I don't think he had been a black belt for long. But uh, yeah, he was a black belt, and uh, I, it was a seminar. They do it every year. It's called the uh, Iowa Jiu Jitsu Summit, and they have like four Iowa or Midwest, I should say, black belts all come together, and they put on one uh, seminar. And that's where I met him. And like I said, I'd never gotten my butt kicked by a black belt. <laughs> I training at a, a karate school with a, an instructor that didn't roll, you know? So it was a very, very, uh, opening experience. Yeah. I think he, when I was a white belt, I think he was a purple belt at the time when I first saw him compete, there was this tournament, um, I forget what the name of it was, but uh, it was in Chicago or in the suburbs of Chicago, and he was doing like the the open class and the advanced divisions, no gi, winning a bunch of stuff. And my cousin actually competed against him one time, and I was just really impressed with his technique. He always had like a really good butterfly guard and guillotine. So, yeah, it's it's really cool that that you are under him now. Yeah, very very uh, proud to be a part of uh, John's team and affiliation mark is another uh really cool guy uh he's been nothing but good to me since since i met him he's always inviting us to things and uh coaching and just being there to support so nothing but good good things to say about uh the the black belts that i get to train with wow nate i'm looking at your uh i'm looking at your instagram right now man and you posted a picture of, of you at breaking point jiu-jitsu that is a beautiful gym man you have a really long mat space yeah, it is. It's very long, and everyone hates doing elbow escapes every day. <laughs> oh, all the way down the yeah, length right. of the Yeah, right. That's true, down. yeah. That's like, that's like <laughs> honestly three. Is that a IBJJF regulation mat space, or is that a little bit smaller, those ring sizes? I think, I think technically it would need to be like one more mat space wider, mm-hmm. or maybe even two. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But it's it's very it's very long mass spaces. So there's four yeah. there's four squares. That's really cool, dude. Awesome. That's like I was because I was uh I like seeing other people's like because you know owning an academy or co-owning an academy I would say myself it's really cool to see other people's academies because it gives me ideas and it's like it's really cool to see people living the same dream that you know that I'm living. Yeah. So no, I'm make- the same way. Like I love like going to different people's gyms and like seeing how they run classes and see how their like entryway set up, how they mass spaces set up. I like even seeing like how they set the locker rooms and like the bathrooms up because like our space is super unusual. It's in like a, it's attached on the, the side of like a big industrial warehouse. So like we're where like the office space would be for like what used to be like a huge company that had uh you know like an office team and then also like a warehouse like um production area so we have like a big elaborate entryway and then we've got a staircase that goes up and we've got our old mat space actually if you're on my instagram the the video that i just posted of like the uh hello i I, sorry somebody was calling me uh okay the upstairs spaces we teach the kids and that's where the gym first started and that long mat space is our uh main space now and uh that's where i run all like the uh, adult and um advanced classes all right uh you know we uh we're, my gym is a part of a i don't know how danny's gym is is laid out i've been to marcy andre's academy like one time i think it's its own solo building right or is uh, it it's in like a strip a, mall uh, too no it's in like a, a warehouse 
like complex. So it's like a two very big like open mat spaces. Mm. Mine is part of a strip mall. It's like right next to a Bahama Bucks. Do you have Bahama Bucks in uh in Iowa? No, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like a it's like a <laughs> shaved ice specific place. to Arizona. <laughs> oh, okay. it's like, do, do, you, do you have like weird shaved ice places down there? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, it's humid down there. I don't know, dude. I, I've, I've been to Des Moines before. Dude. It's sticky. You cut through the yeah, humidity with is. a knife. Yeah, the humidity gets pretty bad. Yeah. Especially during summer. This is unrelated. Oh, yeah. But. <laughs> Why do you use ice cream? That's that's the big staple of uh, Iowa. Wait, what'd you say? What kind of ice cream? Whitey's. That's the name of it. Whitey's ice cream. It's like the. I think it started in uh, Moline, but it, it's like right on the Quad Cities, and it's it's pretty. I know it's all over Iowa and Illinois. Uh, I don't know if it gets much further than that. Is it was it named perhaps before this whole you know? I don't know if people nowadays would uh, be a too okay with the name Whitey's. As well, a... <laughs> that was the uh, owner's last name, so I think he's allowed oh. to get it. All right, he cool, cool, it. cool. Yeah, he gets was he white? Is it? it? Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, whoa. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, he was. Why would he? I don't need, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't even make, complete can't make... the joke. No. <laughs> Danny, save me. <laughs> so one thing that I think is pretty interesting about where you are geographically, like the Quad Cities, is there was like a big MMA presence there at one time. Like I think Pat Militich was training around there with like uh, Tim Sylvia, Matt Hughes. Like there were a bunch of good guys who were really like pioneers in MMA. Did they have like any influence on you um, in terms of like getting started in jiu-jitsu? Oh yeah, absolutely. Not so much getting started, but um, they're they're very much a part of our culture now. Uh, like when I first started, so like it's a long kind of complicated history. But Pat Militich actually originally trained with the gym that I started at, which is just like a karate school. And, uh, he broke off and, and did his own thing and then built Militich fighting systems. And he was, uh, his facility was in Bettendorf. And when I first started training, it was like Militich fighting system was kind of like, it was going away. Like there was really not the, the numbers that it used to be. And like a lot of the champions didn't really train there. So like when I first started looking into jujitsu, I checked it out and it was like, yeah, we have a blue belt teaching the gi classes. And there's like a handful of people there. And the other school had, you know, and, and when you first get started, you don't really know, like, you don't know what you're getting into, what, yeah. what having a black belt means, who's a legitimate black, you don't know anything. So it's like, well, this guy says he has a black belt and there's, I see 12 people there. So that must be the place to go. So <laughs> that's what, how I started. But like John, like a little bit before I started, he, you know, he was training, um, at Militage. That was one of the places that he trained at. And, he moved on and opened up his schools and ran the the club and whatnot. But Militage Fighting Systems is gone now. It's actually torn down, and I think it's like a it's like a gas station and like a pancake house. But uh, the MMA community that was there, there's definitely still a, a fan base. There's a little bit of the original like guys that were training. So like the the main militage guys uh actually a lot of them wound up training with us now so like one of my my like best guy in the room his name is Nate Rodriguez he's like an an OG uh quad cities MMA guy he fought in Bellator and uh he's this 250 pound brown belt nightmare but he's uh one of these militage guys and I I've got 
I got a whole list of guys that are from Militage, and the wrestling is the big thing, you know, out in Iowa. There's so much, so much wrestling. It's so supported out here that we get a lot of wrestlers. And Militage, that was like a staple of Militage fighting systems, was just like Matt Hughes and all, all these, all these badass wrestlers. So we got some of those guys that that now train with us. And there's a couple other places in town that the MMA community is still pretty strong with. Uh, um, and you see quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of guys in the quad cities doing MMA. That is so cool. Cause I remember it like, well, before I started jujitsu, I was a UFC fan and I used to love watching like Jens Pulver, Matt Hughes, like all those guys. And they were so important. I feel like to the development of MMA and, and just the way it progressed, like bringing their wrestling games in and, and just combining all these different skill sets. So like, do you feel like that's a, that, that's pretty cool to have that connection with like those guys who are like some of the pioneers in MMA who are really a big part of the reason that jujitsu was like able to explode the way it has yeah most definitely uh like matt hughes was like one of my one of my favorite guys when i really first started watching the ufc it was like matt hughes and gsp you know they had a little bit of a rivalry and i was like oh man matt hughes he's a local guy same with uh uh robbie lawler like always oh, loved yeah. watching robbie lawler. spencer fisher he's another mm-hmm. one you know uh, there, there were several guys that were pretty big, you know, in, in the UFC, and they lived in my ha- in my neighborhood almost. Actually, wow. Pat Militich used to literally live in my neighborhood when I was a kid. So, small yeah. world. Man, uh, it's it's funny. Even small world <laughs> back to small world. Robbie Lawler. Uh, I used to train at a gym called Power MMA, and it was run by Ryan Bader, Aaron Simpson, and CB Dalloway, and they had they are friends with Cain Velasquez and Robbie Lawler, and Pat Militich and Pat Militich came to my gym when I was like 14 and I met him and all the way out here in Arizona. And dude, I met Robbie Lawler. That guy is strong. Like, and it's, and it's interesting to think that this guy fought this. Not only does he, I, I don't even think he's retired yet. He's still fighting and he's still dangerous. Like that fight with Ben Askren was kind of like, uh, he pretty much knocked Ben out. But, um, it's cool that these, like these guys who are from your neck of the woods we're like, like we said, like on the forefront of the development of MMA, Jens Pulver was the first ever UFC lightweight champion. Matthews was the first ever dominant welterweight, like the first prominent welterweight champion that was dominant. And it's just really, I think, I feel like um, that has to be like a super big source of probably martial arts inspiration for people down there just getting started. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you had Pat Militage too. I mean, he was he was a yeah, champ. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, Sylvia, he was a champ. So oh, I we, forgot about we, Tim Sylvia. Yeah. 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 We had, you had several champions just out of the, this little neck of the woods. So there's definitely an MMA influence, uh, down here and it's, it's still, still around to a certain degree. The, the, pr- the problem with, with MMA, it's just the unfortunate truth is that like a lot of the guys, they just, they don't want to contribute to a gym. And so like uh, a functioning MMA gym is just a hard business to get into. So, like militage they went under because you know it they just weren't bringing in the money to stay open and a lot of the places that have mma now it's it's just kind of uh disorganized and and smaller there's 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 two spots in town that that i really like and and i'm friendly with them all and i love to train with them but it's not like the days of old when you had militage fighting systems you had this just gigantic facility with all this state-of-the-art equipment and like huge groups of training partners you know it's just a little it's just smaller now it's not it's not what it was 
And you're totally right. Same thing happened here with Power May. We had to close down. We Our jiu-jitsu program actually is run by my professor, who I still train under just at our own academy now. They gave us a week to move out, dude. It was like they were just closed. And they were like, hey, like we're closing on Friday. And then we're like, what? And then they were like, you have a week to find a new place. So I was like, wow, that's great. But they didn't run it that's properly. Terrible. It was disorganized. Yeah, dude, it was awful. It was not cool. And I was like, uh, I was pretty confused because I was, you know, I was, 18 i was going into my first or my second worlds as a purple belt and i just uh it was rough dude yeah it's it's tough because like you know i i run a gym now so you know i know how how some of this business is run and and it's just it's very frustrating it's very disappointing when you have people come in and they're like oh isn't this just like a y membership it's not just five <laughs> it's not just twenty dollars it's like dude we have overhead like we gotta we not only have to keep this place open but we gotta feed ourselves on this income and mm-hmm. we have just like a lot of these young guys that want to come in and they're like well i'm gonna be a ufc star you can just sponsor me and give me you know free free memberships and stuff and there's there's just too many of those guys that want to do that and when you yeah. have a business to run you got you got bills that need to get paid you got to have people that'll support the gym and support you you know yeah, it's amazing how many, how many people think like that, too. It's yeah. crazy. The reason why Power MMA's MMA program went under is pretty much because none of the fighters paid for membership. They just yeah. trained. And, like, yeah. that was – they lost so much money off that because there's, like, 25 people on an MMA team not paying what you should yeah. be paying a month to be on an MMA team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and crazy. you know, it's just it, – it's different in jiu-jitsu. I think, I think that – jiu-jitsu tends to have a a culture or at least a group of people that are a little bit more understanding and considerate of you as an in as a business owner and as a as an instructor you know i i've just talked a lot with the guys locally here that work with mma fighters and they just get so frustrated with the inconsistency is one and then also just the delusion you know like people think that they they don't have to train all the time and why would I have to pay you every month and why does it cost so much? Just make me a champion right now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you'll make your money back eventually. Just take a gamble yeah. on me right now. You don't even know <laughs> me. Believe me, I'm gonna be a world champion. Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of stuff I could be a champion at, Danny, this is a little off topic, but I ha- I had uh, like I said, I have your Instagram open, Mr. Fenton, and I'm just like scrolling through. I'm like, dang, his academy's nice. But then I see the Fenton Food Challenge, and I have to know what what is that? What is the Fenton Food Challenge, and why would why did I not hear about this sooner? Uh, yeah, you can find it on my uh, on my Facebook. Uh, it, we did a live stream. So when like all the quarantine stuff was happening, you know, there's just there's nothing to watch. Like you know, when the first UFC event came back on, it's like the whole world was like, hell yes, I'm watching this. You know, because <laughs> there just wasn't there really was there's no live events. There there just really wasn't anything happening. So like when we were just sitting around, we're bored to tears. We're like, man, what can we do? And so I was doing these Facebook lives with my uh, my members because you know. My members uh, at the gym, they've just been incredibly supportive. And, and but we only lost like maybe four members out of our very large pool. And, and so I, I wanted to give people some content. So I was always doing these live streams, you know, live Q&A technique videos and like workouts that they could do. And the idea came up as like, well, maybe we should do like a game or something so that we can like interact and have some fun with everybody. So um, my wife and I were, were coming up with a 
a, a game and I was just like, man, we should do a food challenge. So we put together uh, a live stream where we we had uh, we had two different ones. We did like a jujitsu Jeopardy with punishments, and then we did one that was a uh, it's like a blind taste test. So uh, my wife is a culinary degree. She's a she's a great cook, and so she like got store bought items and then made a bunch of homemade items. And we blindfolded the guys and we like spoon fed them one of each. And- <laughs> which one was store-bought and which one was homemade and if you got it wrong you had a food punishment and it was like a wheel of horrible foods and so if, if they missed it we'd spin the wheel and then they'd have a some horrific thing for them to eat so i mean we fed them you know raw oysters uh like a huge spoonful of miracle whip uh we did pickled pig's feet we did all sorts of nasty stuff and uh people people loved it it was it was super entertaining like indigenous foods to i've never heard of pickled pig's feet what really yeah man hormel pickled pig's feet what disgusting hormel disgusting so if i just go to a i don't don't know if i can just go to a walmart in arizona You know, no, I bet you can. If you go to like the the canned food section, I'll bet you you find a jar of pickled pig's feet made by Hormel. They sell it. I'm gonna be it. honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. How about this? I'll make you a bet. <clears throat> I'll make you a bet, Mr. Fenton. All right. If you you win your match at uh, BJJ Woodstock, I will upload a video of myself eating pickled pig's feet, and Danny will too. Danny's a part of this. <laughs> Danny and I will eat Fine. pickled pig's it. feet. And upload it to our Instagram. Yes, absolutely, and I'm holding you to it. Oh, hey, you got a virtual handshake right here. That, that's uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say if you submit your opponent in under one minute, I'll do it. Jake has to do no, it. I'm gonna do it. I, hey, if that hand, <laughs> if his hand goes up like this from the referee, I don't care if he wins by DQ. I'm gonna honor that bet. I don't wow. care if Pierre do pulls it. out and he doesn't have it. No, nah, it's not the same. <laughs> not the same i'll and do it I'll if do it. assuming you win and i'm i'm hey, i'm rooting for you assuming you win august 22nd i will eat i'm not gonna eat a whole jar of pickled pig's feet i will try it you you, you gotta you gotta take like a piece of like a, a medium-sized piece out and eat it all not a nibble no nibbles these ain't, these ain't no mice bites <laughs> okay no mice bite no bird food i get you Okay. Okay, that's a bet. That's a, that's that's a deal. It. God, I'm gonna hate that. Is it bad yeah, or good? God, it's gonna be super salty it and just pickle. terrible. Yeah, it tastes like you know when you pickle something, it really has just like a pickle flavor. It doesn't really like, taste that meaty necessarily. It's like a salty, pickly, like glob of meat. Oh, oh man, that's not, that, that, that definitely yeah. sounds ridiculously but, bad. But, but okay, I'll the, do it. It often has chunks of bone in it too. Oh shit! Like that I can eat. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this, <laughs> like that, like bone. See, when I was in grade school, I used to be that kid that would like concoct stuff, and dare, people would dare me to eat it, and I would like, you know, I'd, I'd I'd get like their food as a bet. Like I'll bet you this bag of chips, you won't eat a bite of that, and I'll eat a bite of it and get a bag of chips or something like that. And uh, God, that was like such a horrible idea. I guarantee you, my immune system is so strong because of my lunchtime tirades but uh yeah I, i'll do it i'm not scared i'm just like wondering you know 
that's probably going to taste <laughs> really bad. You can do it. You can do it. it, it right. It's not going to be good, but you'll you'll be fine. All right. And uh, if you lose, is there a bet? Is there a bet, Danny? Can you come up with a bet? No, let's not do that because we're, no, he's going to we win. He's going to win. So whatever. So <laughs> he's going to win the fight. So let's not, let's not put that yeah, energy out there. That. Exactly. <laughs> so transitioning away from pickled pig's feet. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we want to talk about uh, Woodstock for sure in that matchup. But do you want to start talking a little bit about like when you got into competition? Like, Were you a white belt? Was it something that took you a while to get into? Or did you kind of start competing right away? Yeah, so um, I, I briefly mentioned it earlier. You know, when I started training, it was uh, it was a very, very different culture than like what I'm a part of now. So like it was a lot of hobbyists, you know, a lot of people that just wanted a community, which I love. I think that's one of the best parts of jujitsu is the the friends and family jujitsu community that you get a part of the academy. And, uh, so when I started, there was nobody who competed. Like it wasn't even a discussion. Nobody nobody did it. So I trained for maybe like a year and a half. And I started training with a couple of guys, um, who were from Sterling, which is like 40, about an hour, 45 minutes away or so from the quad cities. And, uh, you know, they were young, hungry and freaking ready to train hard like me. And, and there weren't as many of those types at that Academy. So I kind of like, just shifted towards them, like just started training more with them, hitting the classes that they would go to, always trying to roll with them. And then they started talking to me, you know, about competing. And so I, I was probably like almost two years into jujitsu when I, when I first competed, but, uh, I did really well. I won my, I won my gi division and then I, uh, uh, got second place in Nogi and I was like hooked right then and there. It was like, man, I might actually be pretty good at this thing. Like, I think I should go and try and do some of these events in Chicago because the event that I did was like uh, a relatively local. It wasn't very far and it was very small. So um, I started going like out to uh, Chicago and I did a a Chicago Open um, as like a brand new blue belt. Like I I think I might I might have had my blue belt, you know, for six months or three months or something. And uh, I won my gi division and it was hard fought. I think I took third in Nogi and like that just lit the fire after that Chicago open. Like I just started competing like crazy. I mean, I was doing like any local Midwest or uh, Chicago event that I could find. And, um, you know, I've been that way ever since like com- competition is just a part of what I do all the time. Like it, it motivates me. It fuels me. It, it just keeps my head you know, on the straight and narrow, because like when I was, when I was younger, I was not what I would describe as a good kid. You know, I had a, I had a troubled past, I guess you would say without going into great detail. So jujitsu was like just an, an amazing avenue for me because I just had incredibly addictive tendencies. And so like to put that energy into something productive like jujitsu, has just been like a life-saving thing for me. And I, I know I have a couple of uh, friends who, who are the same way. And so uh, jujitsu immediately has been uh, an everyday thing for me to the point where I'm like, you know, destroying my body. But I'm just absolutely addicted. I've been addicted now for almost a decade. And uh, I, I love competition. Um, and I, I try to push that energy and that same kind of um, – thinking onto my students so like at this 
event, we're bringing the biggest group, this BJJ Woodstock event, we're bringing the biggest group I've ever brought. I think we've got 20 competitors competing at this one event. And, uh, you know, we're, we're training our asses off. We're going to take a home. We're going to take home a, a team trophy with, without question. Heck yeah. You, uh, your infectious approach to jujitsu makes me think that you and I are going to be good friends, sir, because I am the same way. I, uh, I, I feel like, you know, uh, I think, uh, I've been around a lot of addictive personalities and it's kind of shaped me to be an addictive personality. Uh, a lot of, a lot of like, you know, my life stress and everything off the mats comes from an, like an addictive, per- like being addicted to different things, not always harmful, but sometimes like, you know, unnecessary and everything like that. Uh, it has been harmful too, though. And, uh, yeah, jujitsu, I definitely, it's almost like you're replacing one, like you're replacing every unhealthy addiction you can have for an incredibly healthy one. And that's yeah. like real. I feel like that's, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, and I feel the same way about competition, dude. Like if I can compete every weekend, I think I said this last episode, if I can compete every weekend, I would love that. Like I would compete every single weekend, but like a, your body can't handle it. And B, uh, <laughs> it costs a lot of money, but if I could, I would. So, so <sighs> it's, I, I, I feel like that's how I was in my, like early in mid twenties. Like I was like, I will compete every single weekend. I love jujitsu and that's what, that's what I want to do all the time. But you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm only 28, but uh, over the last couple of years, I I've started to kind of like introduce a little bit more balance to my life. And, you know, I, I, I still train every day, but you know, I don't kill myself every day. I've had a lot of injuries over the years from literally training every day balls to the wall trying to kill everyone in the room and um you know when it comes to competition like it, it can be a real like improvement in your life and in, in your jujitsu but it can also f- just fuck you up i mean you can <laughs> you can go and compete all the time and, and like mentally and physically just destroy yourself and um so much of jujitsu is is mental and i've i've gotten to this point now with competing where like, I'm really starting to just become, become able to control my mental, which to me is, is like more than 50% of the fight because I used to go out at these like big events and I would just be mentally completely checked out. Just not like the jujitsu I I do anywhere else. You would never know because all my, all my major events, I was dog shit just terrible because i didn't i didn't have the confidence i didn't have the awareness i was just like in autopilot and i wasn't doing any of the jujitsu that i know i'm capable of so um i know for me if i push it too far with competition if i go every single weekend like i have done in the past that um you know i can i can really break myself down so i think there's a balance you know like we're both addictive uh kind of personalities and uh (laughs) I can definitely go off the rails, but I I think that with some years of experience now, I've got a little bit more a little bit more balance. You know, John uh, he used to give me shit all the time because I just would take no days off and I was always killing myself and he was always just telling me like, dude, you need to slow down. Like you need to just take it easy a little bit because you're just destroying yourself and your body. And and it took you know you hear it and you're like yeah yeah okay yeah yeah, but I wouldn't actually take any steps to to do as he was telling me and he he knows he's been training like twice as long as me he's been down this path and so now i'm i'm really trying to listen to the like matt and john and i don't know do you know jim james kelly 
Uh, man, I feel like I've heard the name. It's it, he's Matt's business partner. He's a he's a black belt. He's a like a freaking tank of a wrestler. Uh, but anyway, he's he's one that I respect a lot as well. He's 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 taught me a lot about all sorts of jujitsu and and non jujitsu things. You know, just business sense and and whatnot. So. You know, I get a lot of great insight. We've got a lot of black belts that are really um, close. They're really uh, they're in my proximity, you know, and I try to absorb all that experience and all that knowledge. Yeah, I, f- I feel like uh, my in my experience, I have been led by my professor who has also been sort of a father figure, you know, like a, like a dad away from home. And he's really made me. I've really been shaped. I, I was. I even noticed the other day. I have like some of his mannerisms, which is hilarious. But like, I'm around Andre every single day. He's my professor, Andre Maracaba, and I'm around him every single day. He's not like a whole bunch older than me. He's 16 years older than me, and uh, and, and like I'm around him every day. And a lot of what he has told me is he's tried to take you know that kind of addictive, like man, I got to train all the time and everything like that, and like turn it from feeling like an addiction to feeling like an enjoyment that I like, like a dream, like I'm pushing towards a dream as well. So in 2017, when I was, when I was my second year at purple belt, he had me, he was like, Hey, I want you to compete at least 24 times this year. And I was like, 24, I was like, that's every other weekend. He's like, yeah, I want you to compete at least twice a month. He's like, if you can compete twice a month, I was like, I feel like you'll improve a lot. He's like, just look at every tournament. Like, yeah, you want to win, but you have to like, gain confidence in yourself because I wasn't very confident in anything I would ever do. Like uh, that really resonated with me. What you said, everything I practiced, everything I trained, I wasn't confident in it. And then when I would go to, and then I eventually competing, competing became normal. There was no separation between me being on the mat during a competition and me being on the mat training. So I could approach it the same way. And eventually my nerves for competition even started to go away a little bit. Obviously there was like, okay, it's my time to go get excited. Like there's nothing like competing. I can never turn that off, but I can at least dull it to make it feel more normal. And I feel like that's the biggest period of improvement in my life is when I competed so much. And now, you know, competing a lot less lately, like doing this whole, you know, not only just coronavirus, but even competing less as a black belt. Like I, 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 my first year I had like 30 fights, which is good. But it never felt like how it did when I competed 24 times. I think I had like, dude, I think I had like 60 matches in, in 2017, 70 matches. I was a lot of competing and I feel, man, I'm saying competing like I'm from French Canada. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I just feel like that's what I am like striving for now, you know, with, that, with no competition. I want to just try to really grow and gain my confidence back in a lot of areas of my jujitsu that like, that I feel like I have never been confident in since Purple Belt. Yeah. I I also think that, as is the case with a lot of things in life, is that there's there's no one-size-fits-all approach because, like, I've got all these people that, that are competing and they're like, how do, how do I, like, you know, prepare myself mentally and physically? And, you know, there's the <laughs> steps and, and kind of ways of – doing the the physical side but the mental side a lot of times is unique to the individual i've got a but like my one of my closest friends you know if if when he goes to compete he's the guy that you literally have to like slap three times in the face and be like you're gonna go out there and you're gonna lose your shit on this guy because like (laughs) there and just be like a sloth like if you don't have him up but i'm the opposite man like you i cannot go out there like ramped up because i just do 
stupid shit. I just mm-hmm. don't do absolute dumb things. So like I, I is a different approach is, is my main, my main point here. So like for you competing all the time, if, it, if you were all of a sudden doing that and performing at your best, obviously that's an approach that worked for you. I know mm-hmm. for me that when I overdid it, it was, it was overkill on my mind and body. I just was, was falling apart and I took a little break and I came back to it and I felt better than ever. And so I know for me, like every other weekend, man, that, that would probably kill me. But for me, I have other things in my life. Uh, I, I, I work full time. I have a day job, you know, so I have a lot of stress from that. And then as soon as I get off my day job, I go to the gym and I train and I teach and I run an academy and then I go to bed and I do the same thing. So I, I just got a lot of other stresses, um, on top of just competing stresses, you know? So I think a lot of that just, just builds up if you do it all the time. Well, yeah, but also that's the huge point. Like I was 18 years old, so that was I was in high school. You know what I mean? Like I was finishing my senior year when I was competing that much. I was not in the same place in life that you were, where you have that much. Like you have a lot of responsibility. I didn't have any responsibility. Looking back, I had nothing. Anything I was stressed about, it's like, dude, why are you stressed? You are 18 years old. You are finishing high school. High school is not hard compared to being an adult. Like you're literally like getting – it's easy when you get told what to do, right? Like now I am like going to be moving out and like all that kind of stuff is happening in my life and like I have my academy that I'm running and now it's like, oh, this stuff actually is like my life now. Whereas high school was just like something you have to do to get going, you know? Like right. you do that first and you're told what to do. You're pretty, your hand is held in high school and you're you're told what to do. It's not hard. Just do it. But now it's like you have to kind of – I have to make decisions for myself and I have to like you know think about the implications of my actions rather than just go out and compete all the time. That's easy. Like I'm just doing jiu-jitsu. Now I think about jiu-jitsu differently because I'm thinking about it like a coach as well. Now I'm a coach. I'm not just a competitor. It's just a whole – like I feel like it's interesting the dynamic between – you know that's why I love the show by the way is because I get to see – I get to see an inside look into the lives of what – become my favorite athletes like I, I literally like every time we interview somebody and we, i meet somebody i'm always like dude this guy's awesome like i'm gonna watch him you know and that's gonna be the same case with you look at your life compared to mine compared to danny's like first of all how old do you think danny is i don't know oh, if you've seen me i can't i don't i'm on the phone i'm like holding it to my ear so i can't see it oh okay 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 how old does yeah. he sound <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just joking no but danny's 31 so even his uh all right. i see danny i see you boy <laughs> uh, 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 I'm terrible at guessing ages, so don't don't be offended. But I'm I'm gonna guess like 32. I just said it, 31. Oh, oh really? Guess 32. That's awesome. You were the first. You were by far the closest, and you were the only person to ever guess that I was older than I actually was. So <laughs> that feels good. That actually feels good. As weird as that sounds. No, everybody <laughs> says he's like 23. See, yeah, I'm everyone 22. says like 22, 23. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a lot younger than him. People think I'm older all the time because I have facial hair and a tattoo. They're like, oh, Jake's like got to be 27, 28, and Danny's got to be like 24. I assume he had to be in his 30s because somebody has to be the adult and the re- the reasonable one. <laughs> yeah. See, dude? And then you know what's funny is like when we came up with this show, I was like, you know, dude, we should work on something together. And he's like, yeah, let's do a podcast. I'm like, oh, sh- yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Everything has always been like, damn it, Danny's smarter than me. Every time I'm waiting until I come up with a sick idea and I can just be like, yeah, 
take it, old man. That's what I thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to have a smart one out of the pair because that's that's how I am with uh, with my business my business partner as well. Is like you you're the smart one. I'm the worker. I'll be here. I'll be teaching the jujitsu. I'll be performing the jujitsu. I need you to take care of all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are the competitor that needs to be held back a little bit. <laughs> so he doesn't rip someone's head off on accident. You are the guy yes. that's going to help me with that. Bada bing. That's hilarious. Definitely. So I think it was kind of interesting, too, because you guys both brought it up, and I feel like I see this pattern with a lot of like high-level jiu-jitsu competitors is even if, like you, Nate, like you recognize that it's not the best for you to just compete every weekend, but I feel like everyone who's – pretty much elite has had a period of time in their competitive life where they did compete a lot. So do you feel like even though you recognize that it wasn't the best approach for you long term, do you feel like having a period of time where you were just focused on competition and competing as much as you can, do you feel like that propelled you to a place that you maybe wouldn't have gotten to if you would have been like balanced throughout your whole career? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like I don't I don't regret any of it. You know, I I think it's made me what I am today and I wouldn't change any of it. Um, but I just see what happened and if I see someone in a similar pattern, I just want to share my experience with them to be like, "Hey, it's awesome that you, you know, you want to kill yourself to get better at jiu-jitsu, but I I think that there's smarter ways of per, you know preserving your body and your mind so that you know you can grow faster and perform better and you know reach your goals. Yeah, it's, like, it's interesting. You can use your it's interesting how you can use like your past experiences to coach people better. And I feel like the yeah. more experience I gain getting older, it's only going to make me a more effective coach. It's like a struggle of mine to be like such a you know, like a young coach, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way because like, you know, and this is part of the reason why I I felt so connected with John right from the get go is because like John has the same story or similar story as as I do, which is like he got into jujitsu and then like there just wasn't a coach, so like he was just trying to learn jujitsu wherever he could learn jujitsu, so he drove all over the Midwest to try and train with people. I mean, he was a blue belt. Uh, in charge of a jujitsu program. And that's, that's where I was when I first started. I was a blue belt uh, running, you know, classes and trying to learn jujitsu and be an instructor at the same time. So I really related and uh, I know the struggle and it's, it's not easy, but it's a, it's a path that has been driven, you know, by these guys, you know, I don't, I, I feel like when I met Matt, that Matt was already Matt. Like he didn't all of a sudden become this really successful athlete. So like when Matt started training, Matt was already just killing everybody. So John, John was the same way. And John had all these, these schools and this like teaching experience and, uh, in him encouraging me to open a school, uh, you know, I felt like, well, he's already, he's already, you know, taken this path and he, he must know what he's talking about. And, the, all this driving is freaking killing me. So I got to do this. I mean, I was driving, you know, an hour to Iowa city training and then driving back and getting like four hours of sleep and then going to work in the morning, you know, and then doing the same thing, go to work all day long, come home, get my shit together, drive to Iowa city, come back, go to sleep. And then I was just like in this rinse and repeat cycle where I was just, I was just dying. And then I was trying to compete on top of that, you know? And, uh, brutalizing myself and so opening the academy is just uh it's been a 
it's been a struggle and it's also been like one of the greatest things. Well, it is probably the greatest thing outside of getting married, of course, uh, that's, that's <laughs> happened in my life, you know? So I did want to ask you about, uh, specifically about the match at Woodstock, um, just because Pierre is like a really good competitor. I feel like this is a really big opportunity for you to, to get your name out there and for people to, to really start understanding like how good of an athlete you are. So do you want to talk a little bit about him as, um, as a competitor? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I've watched some of his stuff. He, I know he gets on to uh, a lot of these like Nogi kind of like EBI style, uh, submission only and type of events. And I've watched him and he's well-rounded, you know, he's, he's pretty good at, at just about everything. Um, uh, the other day, I, his match at, uh, the trials came up where he like went for the arm bar and the dude defended. I mean, it was just like a crazy scramble, you know, um, it was shared a lot on, a lot of the grappling uh, pages and whatnot. And, and so like watching him, he's, he's an athlete for sure. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, getting, getting my name out there. Like you said, like, I, I don't have sponsors. I don't have anything backing me like that, you know? So I want to, I want to get out there. I want to get a big win and I want to keep that, keep that ball rolling. And, and I want to jump into more of these events. I just did the, um, it's a smaller event called the Michigan submission only association out in, uh, I can't think of the name of the town, but out in Michigan and, uh, it was 16 man bracket and I fought, uh, I fought a couple of really tough guys and, and I won that one and I'm, I'm looking forward to winning this one and then another one and another one. I want to just keep the ball rolling at this point. Yeah, he fought on that. I think he fought on third coast recently. He yeah, was, no, uh, I'm pretty yeah sure I think I saw did. him on there too. He went against yeah. Gabriel Almeida, right? No? He was in the, he was no? in the. The Kumite, so he must have gone against some big names. Yeah. I didn't see that match in particular, but I didn't. I didn't either. I don't remember, but he, but yeah, he, he was uh, in the bracket, so he probably did. You're probably right about that. He might be. I don't. I don't really know where I would go to check that. Probably thirdcoastgrappling.com. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really cool match. Uh, I definitely am starting to. I like watching Nogi. Like I've. Uh, I've said it on the show a bunch that um, just for the people listening, I don't do much nogi, so competing nogi is a little weird for me. Like I just I don't get it, <laughs> but watching it is awesome, and I I feel like yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this, Nate: Do you ever feel like you watch a match and you're like, oh, I understand, and then you go to try to practically apply it, and you're like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> That's how I feel more uh, in the gi than in nogi. Nogi to me is like it's just a, it's a fight. Like there's, there's no handles. There's no, it, the ability to tie somebody up and, and hold them in a position or stall them out. It, it's very difficult in Nogi. So it, it feels to me more like a fight. Like there's a lot of things happening and it's happening very quickly. I love both. I love the gi. I love Nogi, but I look at things a little bit like for jujitsu to grow, it needs to at least to a certain degree become a bit of a spectator sport and it's really hard to be a spectator sport in in the gi because people have no idea what you're doing when you're grabbing a hold of worm guard and lasso and like they don't they just see leg spaghetti and they're like why doesn't that guy get out of there he why why doesn't he just pick the guy up and throw him to you know what i mean people don't know what's happening and they still might not have any idea in nogi but it's faster i find and it, it can be pretty exciting and i think the the thing that like all of us grapplers need to do is like if we want to make any money and grow the sport i think there just has to be a willingness to be exciting in these matches like take some risks 
risks. Don't just go for a stalling style win. Go out there and be aggressive. Look for the submissions because nobody wants to fucking watch a guy hold on to another guy for who knows how long just because he's, you know, in the judges. He thinks in the judges' eyes they'll give him a win because he's on top or because he got a takedown. Mm. Yes. I, uh, myself, I think the same. I think Danny probably probably likes that too. I like to take the Hodger Gracie approach uh, to jujitsu. That's like what I'm really trying to focus on right now. I try, I like my mindset for every match is I want to dominate my opponent. Like exciting, yes, but I want to be exciting in a dominant fashion. I don't like like yeah, getting quick submissions or anything like that is is awesome, or uh, getting takedowns or. But I I really enjoy personally like if I can pull guard, sweep you, pass your guard, mount you, and armbar you from mount, or choke you from mount, or take your back and submit you with a Britain Bowl or something like that. I like that a lot for my gi style. And I really like no gi too, but like, <clears throat> oh, by the way, uh, earlier you said leg spaghetti. I prefer leg weenie, but that's just <laughs> oh, uh, unrelated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, I do I do really like being exciting. A lot of people used to call me exciting. Recently, I've been uh, called more, uh, uh, what is it, lame, uh, because <laughs> no. my matches have been really slow. No, actually, Not I read too. a YouTube comment the other day. It said, uh, why would you upload this? It's super lame about my match with Hudson Mateos. And I was like, damn. I was like, I finally got my first hate comment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I like being exciting. And I, li- I like dominating. Um and I do think that it's important. That's why I think that like it's cool to have these high spectacle cards. Uh, like you know, the, the Kumite cards are pretty cool because it's like you know they have different rules and everything like that. It, it kind of does force athletes to freak out a little bit and do things differently because they don't want to give up bad position and stuff. Yeah. Um, I really like. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of. Like matches like ADCC, but I feel like also what what do you think about the length of matches? I hear this a lot. I hear people say yeah. that jujitsu matches are too long for spectators. So so this is this is my thought. So like my wife, she's a blue belt now, but like years ago, and and my family was the same way. You know, they would try to watch events or they'd come to watch me compete, and um, it to them it was so boring, and they don't understand what's happening. And it and they care about me. <laughs> yeah. So they don't want to watch it. Nobody else wants to watch it. Uh, yeah, that's true. So that's kind of painted my perspective on it a bit because I think and I agree with you. Like I, I'm not kind of implying that people just need to go for quick subs. I, I love seeing somebody hit a clean sweep and pass and hold side control. It's it's more or less like the the style of stalling where you're looking at it like, come on, man, you do something, you know, like even even watching like like Gordon fight Buchecha at ADCC where you're like, come on, Buchecha, do come on. You're so good. Let's let's make something happen in this match. I just want to see these really incredible athletes take a little bit more risk, not like go crazy, you know, and take gigantic risks. But as far as rule sets and time and whatnot, like. Like my opinion, the and I've never seen a card do it, but in my opinion, I like the style of ADCC. Um, no, no points, just sub only for the first 
half or so, and then points after that, because nothing sucks more than when you get a draw at the end of the match. Like when Meta Morris used to do cards, it was just so disappointing when you, you see, you know, eight out of 10 matches go to a draw. So I, I want there to be a winner at the end. So I like sub only so that people can take risks at the beginning. And then at the end, if nobody can sub the other guy, we got to have a winner, you know, so points, points are activated at that point to me. I like 10 minutes. So like, I think five minutes of sub only five minutes of uh, points is good, but you can go down a bit. Like you could do, you could do three and three or four and four. Um, and I'd be, I'd be happy with that. But to me, I like that beginning stage of, of no points uh, sub only. Cause then you can take a little bit more risk, like go for, go for some wild stuff to make it exciting for spectators. And if it doesn't work out, you can't sub the guy, then you do what you got to do to win with those points activated. All right. That's a, that is an interesting take. And I, I can't say, I cannot say I disagree. The only yeah, other thing that I argument for it. The only thing that I would also input on that is like Quintet has pretty harsh stalling uh, like penalties. Yep. I like that. Like I really like the idea of like if, if somebody does start doing like blatant stalling, you're like, hey, here's your one warning. And then if it continues, like give them a, a stalling call that, you know, it could be points or it could be like what Quintet does where it's like now you're going to be on your back. You know, we're going to switch positions. Now you're on your back, you know, because you were stalling and you were warned that you were stalling and you continue to do it. Now you're being punished because then you're just, you're just forcing athletes to, to really take that risk that I was talking about, like just open up a little bit or you're going to end up in a terrible position. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting with the stalling calls. Cause I feel like that's something that the AJP tour, the Abu Dhabi grand slam, like series of events, they're doing a uh, pretty good job of uh, changing the rules and educating the refs on like what stalling actually is. So they're doing a good job of facilitating action in those matches. I think that's really good. What event? Uh, the AJP tour. It's like the Abu Dhabi grand slam where they travel oh. around to the different cities. Yeah. I'll have to watch some of those matches. I don't think I've seen, I have seen that event's name, but I don't think I've seen enough of the matches to comment on their rule set. There's six minute matches too. So that definitely is part of what encourages the action. Yeah. And, uh, it's mostly gi event. Yeah. Actually, it's pretty much only a gi event. Yeah, I think it is. They used to do no gi events, but yeah, I think it's only gi now. That's cool. All right, so Nate, we don't want to take up too much of your time. It's been almost an hour already, so we really, really appreciate you coming on, and we're definitely going to be watching Woodstock. Unfortunately, like Jake said, we're, we're not going to be there physically, but we'll be watching the stream, and we're, your match is one of the ones we're most excited for, so thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you yeah, very much. I would love to have a like a like a fight companion. <clears throat> yeah, we should do that. We should watch it. We should watch it live and have like a, a live commentary going. Yeah. Or a live yeah, podcast, like something along those lines. Yeah, do it. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Support yeah, it. Man. Support in any way you can. We'll appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, if I'm ever down and um, if I'm ever, ever able to make it down in Iowa, I would love to come and learn from you, dude. Dude, absolutely. I'd love to have you or anybody else come in. We're, we're super welcoming to, to walk-ins and cross-training. So anytime, if you're ever near the Quad Cities, Davenport, uh, just shoot myself, Nate Fenton, a message or hit our uh, team page up, Breaking Point Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Follow me on Instagram. Friend me on Facebook. 
check out my YouTube page, all the fun stuff. If you're a sponsor, hit me up. I ain't got any. One of these days we'll get <laughs> You will That's, soon. Yeah. One of my big goals of this podcast is to get big enough to where I can be like, hey, somebody sponsor this guy. And then they'll be like, okay. You know what I mean? That'd <laughs> or be would you let like, me... we'll sponsor you. <laughs> when you can do that, you let me know. <laughs> or yeah. we will. That'd be sick, dude. I anyway, <clears throat> let's give this another shot. Ready? Ladies and gentlemen, you can use Open Guardcast 25 on Electric Performance to get thick, swole, mean, vascular, athletic, Fill in the blank, and we can help you out. See that? That's how you do it. That's how you do the Open Guardcast 25 election performance discount code that you guys can use to get in better shape and to not fall victim to uh, obesity during quarantine. <laughs> Ready? Uh, thank you so much, guy, to High Tier Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, Agro Brand, Eddie Welch, not Welch, it's just Welch. <laughs> uh, for making the awesome logo. Shout outs to Skype for updating and giving me the ability to make the background. David Garmo, you can suck it. Um, <laughs> shout outs to Jordan Peitzman and the entire crew at Subspectrum for putting on an amazing show in BJJ Woodstock. Uh, we are not there in physicality, but we are there in spirituality. Uh, we love you guys a lot. Nate Fenton, we wish you the best of luck. Shout outs to Marcio Andre and Maracaba BJJ. Uh, our respective academies, and yeah, if we're ever in Iowa, we are definitely going to make a vlog video showcasing your gym and trying to promote it best we can. Uh, that's the goal of the podcast is to give you guys a spotlight, and we hope you enjoyed having the light spot on you. Thank you very much, guys. Have a nice night. Hey, you too. Thank you. Danny, take us out of here. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. This was episode 35 of the Open Guard Cast with Nate Fenton of Breaking Point Jiu-Jitsu. So definitely, like you said, follow him on all his social media channels, and we will talk to you guys soon.